Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Commander Clash podcast, where we talk all things Commander. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about cards we got wrong. We we admit when we're wrong, and today uh, we're gonna we're gonna eat some humble pie as we go through cards that we were wrong about. So I'm your host Richard, and join with me is Seth, probably better known as Petter, probably better known as Saffron Olive. How are you doing, Seth? Good. I'm doing great. Excited to talk about all the horrible predictions I've made about magic cards. <laughs> <laughs> What Grim. was that card, the, the land, the dragon land? I forget. Oh, Crucible the Spirit we, Dragon. We, we don't starting. talk about yeah, that. We're, we're, we're not talking about that. That that one is just under wraps, okay? Krim, the Asian Avenger, how are you doing? I, I, I've I never gotten a card wrong, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll clearly try to do it. You, know? you had to scrape clearly. the bottom of the barrel for this yeah, one. Real, yeah, we're yeah. trying to dig at the bottom of the barrel for some of these cards. Technicalities. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I don't see sort of body of mind on this. I don't know why. <laughs> what would I get wrong about that? <laughs> One there. Next we time we October, get back Budget Commander, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm super excited. I'm, I, we, I'm peeking at the list that we got, and there's a lot of some, a lot of spicy ones. I'm really excited, uh, especially like your first uh, two, Richard. Those are oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Well, uh, before we get into it, uh, today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit, the easiest way to sell your magic cards. Card Conduit lets you skip all the typing, time, and work associated with buy listing. Their curated service lets you send in as many cards as you want with buy list value $1 more and you pay just a 5% service fee. And you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards and pay only 2%. You get a detailed report and fast payment once your order is processed. So head over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish and get 10% off your order today. So thank you, Card Conduit. Uh, so after listening to today's takes, you may want to get rid of some of your cards. Uh, <laughs> use Card Conduit. Okay. Hopping in. So th- this is kind of loose. We're just cards we're talking about that we got wrong. So it could be mm-hmm. in either direction, right? We either overestimated or underestimated. Uh, as we talk about the cards, uh, the viewers could try to guess what our current <laughs> position is on the cards. I'm going to kick things off with possibly the most controversial and most Richard card of them all. And that's Path to Exile. So that is the sole single white mana spell. Uh, exile target creature, and then its controller puts a basic land in the battlefield tapped. This one's a wild one, guys. I'm all over the place. So, as a as a good little white mage, I played my path to exile and swords to plowshares like everyone else for years, years upon years. And then one day, I was like, this card rots in my hand all the time, and I don't really need it. So I decided it was overrated, and I cut it from all my decks. And uh, I, I told you guys on the podcast, and I became a laughingstock of the internet community. Uh, but, but, in recent times, I have done a 180. <laughs> I am oh back on God. the path to exile plan. Ooh. So I have been wrong, not once, but twice about <laughs> the same card. <laughs> <laughs> what here's, made you change your opinion on yeah, it? Here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. Source the Plowshares, still utter crap, okay? But path okay. to exile, S-tier. So uh, if you read it as a black card that ramps, so it, it should read as one mana, put a planes into play, and exile one of your creatures. Okay, so like <laughs> kind of like the, the, the black card drum where you sack a creature, draw two cards, one mana ramp is cracked, right? As long as you have like random fodder to get rid of. And then the hmm. bonus is it's a DFC. When you don't want to use that mode, you can use it as spot creature removal. So it is really good, I think. I, I think you as long are... as you have fodder, as long as you have fodder to get rid of, to ramp, 
which you should because you're playing white. Like you can get rid of. Let's say you play like loyal warhound or Spirit something. Spirit companion. Yeah, Spirit of Companion, you ramp already, it's done, right? You you block, yeah. you exile, and then you ramp again. This card's good. Yeah. I, I think I'm back on the path to exile plan. The thing that brought you back was hitting your that. own creatures. That was that that's why you like that's not why anyone likes of the time is hitting my own creature for that extra planes, okay? And five percent of the time it's like Jawari disruption. Ninety five percent of the time it's coming down as a land, and then five percent of the time you get them and it's glorious. I, I think it's just a one mana ramp spell most of the time, and it's actually really good. Somehow Richard, I, Richard. ended up with the same Richard. opinion as everyone else, but else, but for the exact opposite reason as everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> what? I actually agree if with you're Richard. Wrong twice, I think this card's you're right. way better than swords. <laughs> No, but I agree with Richard. Ninety-five percent of times you hit your own creatures, and five percent no, you hit opponent's no, I, creatures. I do, I do the opposite. <clears throat> I do yeah. the opposite. But like, let's say you're in a white token deck, which is a pretty common archetype. If you have like random one ones, being able to trade in a one one, which I wouldn't even consider a card, and then trade in a card for a instant speed ramp for one mana, that's that's pretty decent. Um, and I do actually value it being used uh, on my opponent's creatures too, because even if you're ramping your opponents, which you know, all it sounds bad on paper, but like the best white ramp is this catch-up ramp, and this can help ensure that like your Knight of the White Orchid, your Loyal Warhound, um, your Archaeomancer's map, all these cards uh, that are so good if you're behind on lands, this kind of ensures that they are less often dead draws. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think this card is actually way better than Source of Plowshares. Um, and if I had to run one or the other, I'm going to run this. Oh, boy. Wow. I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> oh, All right, well. Oh, I turned over. <laughs> well, you don't want to fire it off my own creature to ramp? No, you don't want to ramp yourself? How often do you do that, though, Richard? Because like, what I imagine is going to happen is you have your, your <clears throat> Path to Exile in hand, and you're, what I would think is I don't want to spend this on my own creature because I probably will need it as removal eventually. And then the whole theory falls apart, right? So are you just, like, aggressively spirited companion, turn two, turn three, fire off, path, ramp? Is that the, is that the thinking? Huh. I, I, like, I, I would use it as ramp 95% of the time, right? And then, like, you know, one one time in the late game, you're flooded or whatever, you draw this thing, you're like, okay, I guess it's now spot removal. Like, I'm not going to hold up spot removal and, like, not further my game plan. Like, let's say you're missing land drops. You definitely path, right? You, you might even path a valuable creature at this point. If you're hitting land drops, I still want to ramp and growth ahead, right? So as long as I have... Like, obviously, I'm not going to path my commander away and then, like, ramp. Like, that's not ideal, right? But in the same way that you will try to hold that undo inversion as long as possible, right? And if you're, like, obviously going to miss your land drop, you're slamming it, right? But, like, maybe you skip your sixth land drop or something to try to hold that undo inversion. Like, I, I'm trying to ramp. And I'm going to try really hard to ramp. And if I can't, the fallback is spot removal. Interesting. I've never I'm, thought I'm of path that way, this. but I, I guess yeah. it makes sense. The way you're describing Just think it, of it, it as a black card. Sense. Just think of it as a one mana black card <laughs> that, as an additional creature, as initial cost, sacrifice a creature, ramp a swamp. Wouldn't that be like a really good black card? You would totally play yeah. that, right? No, now I, imagine I if it was a DFC that could like source the plowshare or something on the other side. That'd be insane, right? The the MDFC argument uh, does get me. Every time you use that, you, <laughs> that's the easy way to win me over. Because I'm like, hmm, yeah. MDFCs are really good. Yeah, it's an I guess MDFC where both sides are not laughable. Like, both sides are not overcosted, yeah. and both sides are actually quite playable. 
Wait, just to I make just... this clear, you still hate swords to potshares, though. Oh, yeah, like, swords you... to potshares. Okay, trash. so it's really just about the ramp. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember, remember when we did that episode, I put them, like, neck and neck, and I, I just, yeah. like, edged Path to Exile slightly over. I, I already started getting corrupted at that time, but now I would put, like, Path as S or A and swords as, like, a C. Like, there, there'd be a huge gap between them. I'm pretty hmm. sure I had the same argument back then, too, that Path was better. Yeah. But I'm waiting I, for Richard's galaxy no. brain moment because he loves like go wide uh, white decks or just decks with lots of creatures that like have small utility. Here you go, Richard. This oh, is like this is the, the galaxy myself? brain. Is it a player? Yes, or player? It's you a player? settle the wreckage yourself. <laughs> Imagine four mana and you're getting like five planes onto the battlefield. Insanity. Insanity. Yo, we, we just did color shifting <laughs> weekend. That would be a sweet mono white landfall deck. Where you just, just like imagine you're attacking with Adeline. And landfall triggers. <laughs> yeah, you're attacking with Adeline, and then you have just your spirit companions or whatever as well. You cast spirit, you cast <laughs> settle the wreckage on yourself, and you ramp like six lands. Unbeatable. Unbeatable. <laughs> This is Galaxy, but I okay. might utilize it. I actually have good. a deck in okay. mind that might All actually right. utilize this, this very so well. <laughs> and then sometimes you use it to save Kramer, yourself. Are we losing it? Set us straight here as a, y'all, as a y'all source are, of the Plowshares believer. What, what <laughs> are you all have. like? Did you all get smashed before the recording? I don't understand what's happening here. Like, everything you're saying is just like setting me up a wall right now. Like, what? No, dude. Like, I would never path. Okay, the absolute worst case scenario is when I'm pathing my own creature. I am never, ever, ever doing that. I don't care if it's ramping me a land. What? What, what if no. you Baleful Strix into Path to Exile the Baleful Strix? That's terrible. Well, like, you don't but, want to Path to Exile your Nicol Bolas, right? But, like, you no, know, you throw like, away, like, token, your Bitter though? Blossom fairy. Yeah, what you know, if you have Bitter Blossom? Okay, but, yes, what if I have Bitter Blossom, but the upside of me ramping a land versus me saving this to blow up my opponent's creature <laughs> is so much, like, that's terrible value. Well, that's why I'm the opposite as Richard. Like, I use it usually as removal, but, like, the fact that it's a, a yes. flexible, it's an MDST removal. That's it is, what makes it, is, it, so it good. is a, it's more like the fact that, like, it's like 3% of the time I'm going to use it on my own creature. Every other time it's staying in my hand and targeting something of yours. Oh, I, I'm stuck on four lands. I'm still going to sit here and wait for the next 12 You got to think about it as like a six drop, right? Like you so cycle flexible. that away to make your land drops and just hope you draw another one later. Like you're going to hold this this removal for like the entire game. You fire it off ramp and then use that extra mana to draw cards to get your value engine or whatever. And then you'll draw some other piece of removal that you'll need later, right? Like accelerate your Look, game, get the draw. value, and I, then I deal am, with it later. <laughs> I am so far from where you are that I don't even play this card in Commander. Like, like I play Swords 100% of the times, and this, like, none of the percent of the time. Like, I, b- before playing this card, I would play a four-mana removal spell that exiles something my opponent does. Like, like Wait, I would it play exiles, that. Though, it exiles. It has to be yeah. at least high enough because it exiles. Yes, sure, but it gives oh. my opponent a land. No, thank you. I would Did just play that? Swords... I like I oh no 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 like it's MDFC no Seth is done I'm I'm so still thinking Seth, about Seth it is, the MDFC that argument face. is pretty convincing it's not an MDFC though. Seth, other, just change the front side Seth, which, which Seth, side do you like more a, put it on the like front <laughs> think of an MDFC okay it's like it could work either way both sides are like decent right I think they're pretty solid it's a land it's fine but like this card it's like it, it's so heavily skewed in the direction of your oh it's always gonna be a removal, right? Like yeah, maybe there's a decision between an MDFC, do I want a jarry disruption, a land, or, or or something else. This is always a removal spell. 
This is always a removal spell. But really, though, it's, like, uh, I think the, the argument that if there was just a one-mana spell that said sack of creatures, search of planes onto the battlefield, that would be a good card, right? Like, isn't if, that actually, would, like, a good card? And that's what Path is, but it can also kill my opponent's thing. I think, like... I've just never conceptualized Path in this way. I always think of it as removal with a drawback of getting a land. But if you actually flip it and think about it as a ramp spell with the upside of occasionally being removal, it actually kind of makes sense to me. Like, I can't believe I'm saying that, but Dude, it no, kind of actually it's not, makes sense. It's not worth. It's not worth because you are sacking your own creature. I love yeah, it. but I sack my own creatures to for... Sack to, your, but deadly dispute. Yeah, I take my creatures now. to deadly speed deadly to make a treasure and draw a couple cards though. all the time. Like I'm cool with. Like I'm. I love oh, casting sorry, that card. So deadly dispute is a different card entirely, though, because that gets you a <laughs> land on top of that. It draws you two cards. That's fine, right? This is you're spending one of your own creatures and a hard exile. Like, like I'm sorry, that's not enough. That's so I will say. I think it does depend on the deck. Like, would I play in the decks that you typically play, Crim? No way. Like, because you have, like, five creatures. You are not. You don't have useless Even, creatures. If you're playing no, a creature, it's good and it has a purpose. <laughs> Look at the decks Richard plays, though. It's full of Sky Scanners and Spirited Companions. And a Richard sure. deck is probably a super legit plan because all of his creatures suck anyway. So you might as you might as well turn them into a land. I think Richard's right in his decks. Like, if you're playing a deck sure that has useless creatures... It, but I like the solidarity set. <laughs> I think in a deck where you have a bunch of useless creatures, I think the Richard theory might be correct. But you have to have a lot of useless fodder, right, if you're going to go on that plan, yeah, or else yeah, like it falls apart. So, 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 yeah, in a deck that has a silly amount of useless fodder, <laughs> sure. And and the ones where maybe I don't have to spend any resources to get it, right? But sure. You're, you're already in yeah. white. White has all of their utility stuff on creatures. Like, all of their catch-up ramp is on creatures, right? Now you can fodder them away, right? So, like, you're in a color already that I no, that lets no. you do that. All right, all right. We'll, we'll let and you know, every white that. deck I run, like, <laughs> I, like any non-green white deck, I'm always going to be running Lore, Lore Warhound and Night of the White Orca. Like, those are the top two. And also, in, in paper, because Mentugio doesn't have it, Archaeomancer's map I absolutely love. Um, and these, like, all... This helps ensure it while removing a serious threat. <laughs> and then sometimes, yes, you could you just use it on your own Night of the White Orchid. And this double ramp for three mana. And two cards. All right. But it's double ramp. That's right, Tomer. Everyone <laughs> fall to the dark side. <laughs> All right, what, do you have, what card do you have for us, Tomer? All right, keeping keeping in the heaters, I have a confession to make. So there's one card that I've been an evangelical about, and this is the opposite of Richard here. <laughs> one card that I feel might be fading away in terms of my <laughs> my love for it. It is the iconic fade away uh three mana blue sorcery for each creature that creature's controller pays one or sacrifices a permit i don't know why i'm reading it out everybody should know how amazing this card is but i have to tell you my friends but i've been thinking about it and i've been cutting it from some of my blue decks and i know what you're thinking that's insane like how can you imagine this card not being good but the problem is that I think the br- blue board wipes have just gotten a lot better these days. Like, <clears throat> I would run... These I days. always said... Yes, yeah, these Currently. days. So we have, yeah, like, yeah. if you're in heavy blue, you got the, the Kraken that, like, bounces stuff, Storm Surge Leviathan, you've got Spectre Deluge, um, you've got Engulf the Shore. Uh, uh, Krim recently got me, actually, this is the reason why I got cut. 
um, uh, what was it? Consuming, consuming, consuming tide. tide. Yeah, I really like consuming tide. Every single time I cast it, I feel really good about it. So fade away just doesn't cut it in a lot of my blue decks anymore. Um, which kind of sucks. I know. I know. You guys are really sh- sh- shocked that I would be down on this card. Uh, crickets. What, what do you think? Straight you think up, crickets. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I assumed you had just been trolling us this whole time, and you never actually thought the card was no, good. So the shock so to much. me is that you actually thought it was good because I thought this was just an elaborate troll for the last few years. <laughs> I can't believe you actually play this card. <laughs> it's actually good. Okay. 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 Hold on. It. it it actually does something over the Dog. cards that Tomer listed, though. It actually causes a sacrifice. All the other cards yes. are bounce. Having said so that, one... <laughs> it's pretty bad because they just sack lands. But I can see well, I mean, if, you if, construct, lands if you construct a, a deck to somehow prevent that, I don't know what it would be. I can see it having upside because it is an actual straight removal in blue, but... I mean, every time Tomer's cast this, I don't think it's done anything useful. You're like, oh, my one Voltron so, thing? Okay, here goes a land. <laughs> like, and people can just pay. Well, like, people, if yeah, they have mana, mana, like, can just yeah, pay one and nothing out. happens. <laughs> so there's one deck that I actually still have it in, in my paper in my paper list, and that's Min Wily Illusionist, because you do actually want to be sacrificing your illusion. Min says, like, you make a bunch of illusion tokens, and then when your illusions die... Uh, you get to put permanence onto the battlefield from your hand, so you actually want the, your your illusions to die. And fade away is like like a pseudo sack outlet for it, and it's like three mana. So like even if it's not killing the best things my opponents have, or if they have untapped mana for whatever reason, then I can still get value out of it on my end. Um, so I still run it there, and I still like it there. But I think I've sure. cut it out of all my other decks. Yeah, blue sack outlet Which makes sense. I can I can get behind that. There's not too many mono blue sack outlets. I guess you have artifacts, but like specific. in in that in that sense, it uh, it works. Yeah, sure. I that, that works. Still cannot uh, imagine ever putting this in one of my decks, though. Oh, we can finally put this really? to rest. Every time we do an underrated episode or something, the YouTube comments like, "Oh, Tomer was there." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to hear from the viewers if you've played Fade Away and what your opinions are. Because I feel like it's actually it's actually pretty decent. It's just that Blue has so many better options now that it just it doesn't make it a cut anymore. It's really yeah. sad. Yeah, play Flood Game right. instead. Krim, <laughs> <laughs> hit us up with the Flood card. Flood Game's actually legit. <laughs> okay, well, so moving on to a, a card that uh, is, I thought actually, like I did play in a good amount of my decks for a while. Uh, and it was Wandering Archaic. Five mana, four, four, whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, they may pay two. If they don't, you may copy that spell. You may choose new targets for that copy. It has a backside, but I don't think I've ever seen this cast. Uh, it's just each player for three mana looks at the top five cards of their library, reveal land and or instant or sorcery card from, from among them, and puts that card, uh, a card revealed that way into their hand. Uh, uh, yada, yada. Or, wait, hold on. Into their hand and the rest on the bottom of their order in a random order. Each player gains three life. See, that's how much I don't cast this backside. Uh, okay, so I used to think this card was going to be in everything, like in every deck, because it was colorless, right? And it was such a good, like, we, we said that, you know, Ristic Buddy was the name for Esper Sentinel, but, like, this actually felt like a Ristic Buddy to me because it was something that everyone could play. It's got a nice body attached to it. And on top of that, you know, like most people, they won't pay the two, right? So you'll always get a copy of the spell. But the problem here is it's at five mana, so it never comes down early enough unless I'm like hardcore ramping. If my colorless deck, yeah, sure, maybe an Eldrazi deck, I'd play this, yeah. But like 
there's still there's a home for it, but I just, it's just not as universal as I thought it was. Uh, it, it costs it's too high on the curve, and oftentimes when it's out there, most people either a pay the two or cast a board wipe and then not pay the two, so you can immediately just benefit that by wait what copying another board wipe. No one casts a beneficial spell into this, so oftentimes it was just me paying five mana, skipping my turn, and then most people just doing whatever they were gonna do normally. So this card just has a few select homes, but was not at all what I thought it would become. Yeah, I I also thought this card was going to be pretty good in Commander. It was actually our uh, exclusive spoiler card back when it first came out, and it seemed like it would be a really good card. You get value out of it. It's colorless. Any deck can play it. But I think I did also not take into consideration the Wrath issue, which is a concern. And it turns out that at five mana, by that time, people have quite a bit of mana. So if someone really does want to get rid of it, they can, like... Uh, path to exile it and pay the two or whatever. Like, so it ended up being a lot less consistent. And the backside is just like almost uncastable, right? Like, that's kind of the other issue. When I thought it was like, oh, it's kind of like fun group huggy. And I guess it kind of is if you want to do group hug stuff, but, uh, your opponents just get so much more value out of it that it's, even though it's an MDFC, it's kind of not an MDFC because you just, unless you're really desperate and just like, oh my god, I'm going to die if I don't hit a Wrath here, you pretty much never want to cast Explore the Vast Land. So I also overrated this card when it first came out, for sure. It's still like, I, it's uh, still got a home, and it's definitely yeah. got some fun decks to be played in, but it, yeah, like, I thought it was just going to be everywhere. I thought, I, I overrated this too, actually. This is a really good pick, because yeah, when it came out, I thought this card is absolute gas. Um, and I remember like some early games, it was impressive. And I also remember it saw a decent amount of CDH play. Like it showed up in a lot of lists. It no longer does, but yeah, all the reasons you pointed out that it's not really like a format staple or anything that I initially thought it might be like very popular, uh, because it just costs too much mana. And then eventually, yeah, if it gets board wipe, it's just sad times, but I do like it. Like like, some people still running in a group hug. I think that's where it's most popular because of the backside, ironically. And then the front side, like, I do like it in, color, in like, the colorless Eldrazi-style deck because it is, like, this midpoint where you can get some value out of it and being five mana is not as big of a deal. But I totally agree. Like, I thought this card would be seen play everywhere, and it just did not. Yeah, I think we've seen it a couple times on Clash. I I know someone has cast the backside on Clash because I remember we had to read and figure out what it did. And I know I've seen <laughs> the front side as well. I think the problem is it's expensive and like it doesn't fit your theme really. And it's kind of like a good stuff card, but it's kind of medium, so like it's not even worth running. So then, like, yeah, it can go in a lot of decks, but like, what's the point? Like, I'd rather just you know use my five drop slot on something more on theme or trying to further my game plan or something like that right and yeah yeah so. the best i've seen is like i remember a game i was doing a stream and somebody played our wandering archaic and used it politically and said like uh like i think i was ahead on board and i had like two scary threats and somebody used path to exile on my thing didn't pay the two so they can remove both of my threats at the same time but that's like a corner <sighs> case like yeah it's still I think that's exactly what happened on Clash, because I remember it didn't yeah. work on Clash, and I think it was like this. It was used to team up to double spells to, to take care of someone. Yeah. You can be savvy with it. It's not a bad card by any means. It's just a little bit awkward. It's just not the universal card I yeah. I, like, I think we yeah. thought it'd be. If it was like yeah. one less mana, it'd be so much better. Yeah. Like, just a little yeah. bit cheaper. All right. Next up uh, yeah. is a recent card. A, a very uh, popular card, actually. 
Uh, it's Ellis Another Norn, one of our Mother spoilers. Mother Another one whoa, of our whoa, whoa. Are, you, are, you, are you skipping me? We're going to target it here. No, no, oh, Seth. Wait, Brown. what? Did, did we skip Seth? Oh, I no. So. I skipped yeah. Seth. Seth. All right. oh. Seth. Well, that's okay because my card's essentially the same as Crim's card. It's not the exact same card, but it has the same both issues, which is. Uh, both of our previews. <laughs> which is Lithiform. Wait, is it also our preview? Oh, no. Lithiform Engine. Lithiform Engine. When this was first spoiled, I thought this was a commander staple. I was like, why would I oh, not yeah. put this in every single deck? Form an artifact, you can pay two, tap it, copy activated trigger ability, pay three, tap it, copy instant or sorcery spell you control, four, tap it, copy a permanent spell you control. It just seems like the ultimate value engine. No matter what you cast, with this on the battlefield, you can get two of them, you can copy your fetch lands and wrap. Like, it just does so many cool things. And as someone who loves panharmonicons and like doubling stuff, it seemed like a panharmonicon that could work on spells and permanents but it turns out it's just way too slow and expensive like you had to pay four to yep. get it down and then you have to have two or three or four mana left over as you're casting a spell to be able to copy it so i went from wanting to play this in literally every deck to i still play it in like spell copying decks or whatever like if i actually have a theme that's built around it but unless i have a purpose for it i've just found it's not fast enough and it's just too much mana to play as a value card I'm right there with you. I thought the same thing. I thought this was going in everything and whatever deck. Because why wouldn't you want to copy a permanent, right? Like, oh, yeah. Multiple so planeswalkers, multiple whatever, right? But, yeah. dude, this thing is so clunky. I don't know where I thought I'd have four extra mana left over after casting, like, a five <laughs> yeah, drop, right? I like, sort of overlooked like, that part, too. Yeah. This, oh, it'll, be, it'll work out, but I no. Got, I got bad news for you guys. I got bad news for you guys. This card is actually, like, decently played. It's in 2% of EDH rec decks. It's a colorless card, but so that's actually a large it's percentage. It like is on yeah. like the second page or something of top most played colorless, so it's actually played a decent amount of time. It's yeah, just it's up there fun. with rings. Like rings is also a two percent card. Yeah. Uh, it, so I agree with you guys. It's expensive and clunky, and I actually just played a rings deck, and I'm like Lithform Engine. Who's gonna have like six mana <laughs> or whatever to, to do yeah. this? Right? I just rather play rings of bright hearth, right? Uh, so yeah, the the problem's whole, but people still love it. People still just love paying to double their stuff. It, it's actually it's, like decently played. Yeah, it's it's definitely clunky, but I think there are still homes for it that it's kind of decent. Like I did run it in my Chandra Tribal Super Friends deck, and I was running Rings of Bright Hearth, and they both basically allowed me a, a one way to copy uh, loyalty abilities. Sure, it wasn't as good as Rings of Bright Hearth, but it was fine. And then the other nice thing is that, like, you can, like, not only did I have a bunch of permanents of loyalty abilities that I can copy, but I also was running every single red fetch land. Um, because if you copy the activated ability of a fetch land, you get two lands onto the battlefield. So there are, like, corner cases where I think that the card is still very good, or at least not very good, but, like, good enough to to fit but like people are jamming it everywhere and it's not like it's not the multi i remember on twitter people were being like this card is gonna is overpowered it's a new staple it's like the new Saul ring we should ban it like i remember the calls for ban when we previewed it and we're like i was like guys it's not 
It's not that good. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I was wrong about. It's not that Lithoform yeah. Engine's bad. I still I still like the everywhere. card and still think it's really fun. <laughs> but I thought this was like a solemn simulacrum or something. Just like literally take yeah. any deck, you can throw it in it, and this card's gonna be really good and generate tons of value. And it turns out that it can still be really good. Like a one ring. But you have to be yeah, I thought it was gonna be that style of card. But it turns out it's like a card that can still be strong, but it has to be in, like you said, that specific deck where you have a plan that's like built around taking advantage of it so i think that's the part i was wrong about is i thought it was a format stable and it's actually more of like a fringe card for certain archetypes just need to reduce its cost slightly and then we'd play it everywhere yeah <laughs> like if it's activation activated ability <clears throat> just white mana or something mm. i think we would see a lot a lot more yeah i mean the training grounds would help with that right or does I that mean, work that's, a, that's a no, two card combo to make your card no, like, try to do something creatures yeah Four mana is just too much to copy a permanent. Like, that's that's just so much. Because if you think about it, if you're paying, like, seven mana, right, or eight mana to cast this and activate, like, whatever you're copying has to be at least eight mana for you to break even. Uh, so it's it's it has to do a lot of work to actually make it worth its its mana value. And to copy something that's eight mana, you need, what, 12 mana? Because you need eight to cast it and then four <laughs> to pay this. So, yeah, it's, it gets tough to actually find the mana for it. All right. Uh, okay, now to my next card. So, uh-huh. y- you caught the spoiler. <laughs> it's Elish Norn, Mother <laughs> of Machines. Ah. <clears throat> New Phyrexia. Oh Sheldon releases an article. <laughs> this card is oppressive and needs to be banned. Or I would ban it if I was on the RC, roughly. And uh, I, I actually kind of agreed with him. But, uh, not to that extent, right? So it's a 5-mana 4-7. Vigilance. It basically panharmonicons yourself and then shuts off ETBs of your opponents. And right. I thought that's insanely unfun. And I thought it was a mistake for them to, to make this card. I didn't think it was ban-worthy, but I thought, like, why would you do this? Like, you would just ruin... Games of Commander. Well, turns out it's played in point zero point one three eight percent of decks. It is barely played whatsoever in Commander. So you'll never see this. And in practice, like no one wants to pay five mana and tap out just to you know just to break you, right? It's really like dedicated like Panharmonicon decks that need a different uh, a second Panharmonicon. But this card is expensive and it's just not played. So it doesn't really ruin commander games or anything because it just simply does not exist in casual magic, right? So, yeah, I, I think it's a very <clears> important <throat> lesson to... Uh, you have to kind of let the cards play out in the wild, right? Because maybe people don't like the design of the card and they just simply do not play it, even if it's a strong effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause... I think the card is just not as good as everybody made it out to be. It's all expensive, yeah. so that's that kind of yeah, lowers like... its popularity a bit, but... I think it's just it, like I would if I was playing a Blink deck or, or if I was playing a Panamarnacon deck, I'm going to run this. Like, sure. Outside of that, it's like I mean like, the cards. I think. Oh, go ahead, Joe. The cards. The card is fine. Well, people it, were people were initially saying like you'd put it in every single white deck because every single white deck basically can benefit from it. Yeah. But the answer was like even if that were true, like the statistics show that people are not jamming it in every single white deck. They're just putting it into their. Panamonicon decks, essentially. Yeah, and I think people really overestimated the hate card mode of it. I, that's another thing. I saw, like, why wouldn't I play it in every deck? Because it's going to shut down my opponent's stuff. And it turns out it's just not really worth it. When you think about playable hate cards and stacks pieces, think about, like, Thalia or something like that. They're, like, two mana. Five mana is just a big ask if you're not doing Panamonicon shenanigans yourself. So, yeah, it, it's kind of funny how 
much like ire this card grew when it was first spoiled and it all went literally for nothing like it is not even close to being a problem now so i don't even think it was just us that overrated this card it was literally the whole community or like 90 percent, like a huge percentage of the community was like this card is like way too good it's a problem and it ended up being like nothing at all i don't remember what i initially rated it as but i don't i don't remember <clears> thinking <throat> it was that big of a problem yeah, yeah you guys really thought I was definitely on that board too. That I was big. like, "This is fine." <laughs> yeah. yeah, like it's fine. Like it's a good card. It's just like not like the the sky is falling, right? Yeah, like, it was, yeah. it was yeah. just me. Although, I think it was just me. I, I was said, like, the the Dreadic Magistrate side is unfun, <laughs> and people will play the Panharmonicon side yeah. for value and just spread the unfun. But like, no one plays it, so it doesn't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody builds their white decks like Richard, basically. Like, I mean, I, I never played this card. Actually, I don't think it's good. But but you draw two cards companion. Oh, it, wow. I just paid five mana for another spirited companion. <laughs> that's not that's not worth it, right? The value. Plus it gets we... killed. Like you don't want your Panamonicon dying. Like if you're shutting down people, people will want to remove yeah. it. And then yep. your Panamonicon dies with it. So it might be safer to play the real Panamonicon. I think yeah. we underestimate Rast too. Like once you're playing these five mana threats, that's just the time in the game where someone's probably going to fire off a Wrath the turn or two after it comes down and get rid of it anyway, which makes it a lot harder to play those cards compared to cheaper threats. I think. But after this season of Commander, I don't <laughs> underestimate Wrath at all. I'm like packing as much protection as possible. I'm curving out at two. <laughs> I've just I've just become comfortable understanding that I'm not going to keep some things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tober, who do you have for us? Oh, it's me again. Hello. Uh, okay, so this is a card that I, when I started playing, and I was, I'm an ancient, I, I'm a, a, like a From tree Pearl Lake, of, if of you commander, would. yes. Back when, back in my day, we called it all the Dragon Highlander. No, not that far, actually. It was 2011, though, when Commander first became a thing. I was being like, this card is so bad. This is Temple of the False God. Temple of the False God uh, used to be considered like a format staple. Uh, in the early days of Commander, um, it's just a land that taps to add two colorless. Activate only if you control five or more lands. Uh, it's weird to read it out because I think some people actually won't know what this card is because it was so so popular back then. But it's like it dropped so heavily in popularity afterwards. And I was so anti this initially because everybody was running it and I thought it was doo doo. But then throughout the years, every single pre con, like most of the pre cons, were having Temple of the False God. So every single time I was doing a pre-con upgrade, I would rage against this card. I'd be like, this card is trash. Why is it here? And then most recently, there was like a, there was like a Mardu deck or something. The human human deck from Ikoria. I think it was like 2019 or something. And it was like 36 lands or 35 lands or something like that. And it had one of them was Temple of the False God. And I was like, this is garbage. Why is this going? And I yelled at Gavin. And Gavin's like, it's actually fine and, and everything. And so I was like, you know what? No, it's not fine. So I went to <laughs> I got I got Frank Karsten, who's like he has a PhD in mathematics and he's like he's he's all statistics. Um and, and uh, yeah, I asked him to do the stats for me. And we found out something really interesting. The Temple of the False God is actually, yes, bad in, like, a 36-land deck, which is what the, the pre-con was in. But we determined that it was actually good in, guess what, green decks. Uh, we, we said, basically, if you have 
a combination of 42 lanes in land ramp. So if you count like Sakura Tribelder as a ramp card or as a land card is what we did. If you have 42 of them, then basically it's it's not going to be a dead card 85.5% of the time. Which are pretty good odds. Like, yes, it'll still be dead sometimes. But then it just it raises you an extra ramp card. And I know you guys do not like it still because you're like, but it's going to still be dead. But I've been running it and, like, basically all like my green. Card. Yeah. Well, I've been running in all my green ramp card uh, decks now. And, like, I've never been sad about doing so. Like, yeah, okay, it's only ramping you later on in the game. But it's still ramping you and I still love it. So I went from, like, the the, the biggest hater, the number one hater of Temple of the False God, to I'm actually going to run it in land ramp, in green land ramp decks. Um, and, yeah, that, that's my story. I did a 180 on that one. So this card has only gotten no 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 Seth okay here we go this card got stronger over time right because <laughs> two cards so uh, Yavimaya uh, sure. t- changes all your lands into four so if this thing is somehow dead it's still on so that's one mitigation strategy but the other thing is green is getting very good at ramping non basics so mm. uh, you know in the late game or you know in the mid game whatever when you're ramping you can you now have access to a two mana land to ramp out which is insane, right? So imagine you play the uh, the four mana spell that uh, lets you ramp a non-basic, and then you know your opponents get to choose if they want to do that, and then you get to do that. You can potentially get four lands out, and then one of which, which generates two extra mana. So I think it's actually very strong now with the Avamaya to kind of back it up, and then the fact that you can just ramp out uh, all these like non-basics, and then it also turns on Field of the Dead. Like it's... It, it like gives you a reason to not run forest, <laughs> right? Uh, and then so, you can always play Orborg. So black decks can do it too. I would say it's gotten worse with white over time because white is really all about land deficits now and you're actually just actively turning off Temple of the False God all the time. So I don't play it in white. Yeah, but I, I think right? green decks, this is like a great card. And I think it's super undervalued. Um, I mean, it's like a, cabal, it's like a I mini card cabal is, coffers is, for green, I think. This card is fine even in non-green like green decks and probably not in white decks but like just a deck that is basically just gonna just play lands every turn like i i enjoy this how, without building around it how does this ever work for you Krim? out of all the people in the uh, world you know, you're probably the person to play temple of, the false god. temple of the false god <laughs> i don't know if y'all have noticed this i have been getting flooded every episode except for the one shovel deck that one i don't know how uh but like yeah i i genuinely love this card i've just been playing it since since always it's a fun one I can see the argument for playing even green decks, because you have a, a lot of ways to get lands on the battlefield. I still just don't like the risk of it. I feel like the value it adds in the late game, like, how impactful is it to get one extra mana on turn 5, turn 6, turn 7, compared to the risk that you just have to mulligan or literally do nothing in the early game? Like, is the 15% of the time that you just do nothing and have to mulligan worth the one extra mana on turn when you already have 6 or 7 mana? I'm still not convinced. It's worth a lot. You play your commander, well, it gets removed. You play temple, play your commander. Yeah, like that's actually a huge it's, deal. Like nothing else lets you do that, right? You can't sit there and ramp. You can't make ancient a double tomb. land drop. Okay, ancient tomb, right? But there is the some risk deal. involved. But like, it's also like the same thing where you're you're risking cabal coffers, for example. Like, obviously, cabal coffers has a much higher ceiling, but this one is also much easier to pull off. It's a, a less of an ask. I think in green decks, it just says 
please land ramp. And like the statistics that we got was if you have a 42 land deck and we're counting and it counted ramp and growths, let me like two mana, a two mana land ramp card what it counted in, in the statistics said if you have temple by turn five or you draw it by that turn after the like also counting a free mulligan in commander, it's 85.5%. All the time that it's it's a not a it's it's an act it's activated it's ready. you also catch up very nicely right let's say you play three lands and your fourth land is temple right you are very sad but you still have three mm-hmm. lands on that turn and then the next turn let's say you top deck a land you play five your temple is now online and you ramped one so like even like in the bad scenario like you can claw out right like the actual worst scenario is it's like you have forest temple rampant growth. And you're like, this hand is trash if I don't draw another land. <laughs> but like, if you're just playing cards naturally, like even if you miss a land drop, you're taking one mana off that turn. The next turn, you get two lands or you get two mana, right? That's literally path to exiling your creature for ramp for the next turn. Like that's the same thing without taking a card, right? Yeah, so even if you, even if you like mess land. up a little bit, like the recovery is still somewhat decent as long as you hit your land drops eventually. But you might not hit your land drops eventually. I think it's interesting. You wrote the article in 2020, Tomer. I just looked it up. Uh, yeah. I feel like the community has come down on this card. Because in your article, it says oh. it's played in 18% of decks on EDH rec, and it's currently 10%, which is almost a 50% decrease in just a couple of years. Unless well, it's like they stopped putting in in pre-cons, and that's skewing the stats exactly, or something. Yeah, they exactly stopped it. putting in pre-cons. I've been yelling at them about the pre-con thing for so many years, and I also know people who are des- who are uh, behind designing it do read my articles, so I might have, I might have influenced them in a negative way. But also, just don't put it in thirty-six land decks without land ramp, Gavin. <laughs> but the the green ones, come on! Like if you're if you have like thirty if you have like thirty-six lands and then the six land ramp cards, already eighty-five point five percent on turn five. So I don't know. I I like it. And then if you have more than that, it's, it's gravy train. I don't know. It can All be right. it can be a whiff, and people do hate it when it's a whiff. And that's what sticks in their head. But sometimes yeah. it's awesome. Krim, hit us with a card. <laughs> so uh, remember how Wandering Archaic was colorless, and I thought that'd go in every deck, and that card yeah. was like the nuts. Well, the next card is actually colorless. And probably it, it, well, it can go in every deck because back when it was in spoiler season for Lord of the Rings, the One Ring. That's right. I was not that high on it. Everybody probably knows about it by now. It's four mana, indestructible, enters the battlefield. If you cast it, you gain protection from everything, right, until your next turn. Beginning upkeep, you lose one life for each lore or uh, burden counter on the One Ring. Tap it, put a burden counter on it, draw a card equal to the number of burden counters on it, right? So we talked about this, like... Is this a card that goes in every deck? Is it going to be busted? You know, like that kind of thing. And I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was going to be super busted. I thought it was going to be a few decks, maybe like an artifact deck or whatever. Yeah, sure. Uh, but like after playing with it, it I, there is literally no reason for me to never have this. Like, 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 why would I never have this card? Like, I, I, I just don't know which decks do I not want this in because almost every deck I want this in. Uh, and so I think. I was initially very kind of like meh to like down on like like to where the card's like it's fine it's like not the greatest thing ever but it it it's overperformed by so much that I now have to say okay it, it is it is beyond that it is now a staple like this is a staple 
I mean, that's kind of where I was from the beginning. For Commander, I think I underestimated this right. card for Modern, for sure. I, yeah, I didn't think it would be no, anywhere near as format-defining or even good as it is there. Commander, I was kind of always like, I think you can play this in any deck. And it kind of... But even in that context... Maybe it's even better than I thought. And I thought it was like, oh, the colorless Phyrexian Arena you can play in any deck. But we've seen it just like looped in protection for multiple turns in a row and copied. Like, I don't even think I thought through all those scenarios and how strong it would actually be. So maybe I underestimated it too. And I thought it was a staple when it first came out. I was thinking about like, let's like, I remember we discussed it. I was very high on this card as well too. And I'd be like, I'm not going to run it in most of my decks because... I, I, I focus on themes and synergies because that makes me happy. Um, whereas I do think this is a, is a staple, but I, I also did not think about, we were talking about like, you know, we can bounce it back to our hand to recast <laughs> yeah. it. We can, we can, uh, Goblin Welder is really good with it or blah, blah, blah. But like, I did not anticipate like Krim, for example, copying it a bunch of times and like just basically sacrificing a permanent basically to just have a, a reset on the ring. Like that, yep. I didn't even realize it would go that far. And then, yeah, there's no way I would have imagined 1v1 being just like the ring dot <laughs> format um, that it is right now. So yeah, I, I thought it was very good. I thought it was a staple, but like it's even, it's even more than that. It's like, insanely good it's kind of broken um it <laughs> yeah, is this kind of is, broken this has i still overperforming yeah i still only run it i run it in two of my decks now actually uh and i i could run it it would make all my other decks better that's where i'm at already but i'm not going to just because like i'm trying to keep things a little bit more janky more thematic but like i literally looked at all my decks and it would just make every single one of them better <laughs> Commander's that's a two-ring format. Soul ring, yeah. and then the one ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how yeah. you start your decks, right? And I think we overestimated how fast this thing would kill you. This thing like yeah. kills you at a glacial pace. Like you're you're drawing like ten cards. The the way it really kills you is you just draw aggro of the whole table. No. Uh, but yeah. the actual the the actual damage it gives you is actually so slow and pitiful. And I remember we were debating whether this should be S or A, and we're like. You need ways to get rid of it, so therefore it's A. You can't put it in every deck, but I'm like, nah, you can, nah, you can put it in. Like, I see, like, anyone, yeah, you don't need to get rid of it. Like, why get rid of it? Yeah. Just draw 30 uh, cards and win the game, game or whatever, right? But, like, yeah. just, like, two I, I activations it, and the game is run away, right? I think I think at the later points, like, once you get past, like, three burn counters, I remember I was just able to, like, like 3v1, right? Like, like I was yeah. able yeah. to just keep you're drawing, you're drawing a new hand every turn, basically, at that point. So yeah. even though you're taking a bunch of damage, yeah. you have the support cards to fight through it. Yeah, the cards. Is I, it too good? I think it's, is this, it's, like... better, it's better Necropotence. So here's Necropotence, right? Like, obviously, that card is insane. But if you're playing, like, jank, like, skeletons, you're just going to die. Like, you, you throw down a Necro, everyone's like, oh, my God, Necro. And then you're playing, like, two mana one ones or something, and then everyone just kills you. This is like that, except it gives you the firepower to fight back against the board, even if you're playing Skeletons. Like, you're drawing yeah. so many cards, uh, like, so quickly, that, and you get the protection for a turn, that you can find a way to either, like, copy the one ring or stabilize the board. So it's, it's like Necro, but works for lower power decks. Like, no matter what power level your deck is, like, this will do work for you. Whereas, like, Necro it's or Ad Yeah, like, those, those cards yeah. require a high power deck and then they're insane, but the one ring works with yeah. any power level deck. Is Necro this is like, too yeah, good? Necro is, like, CDH, and, or you but, just vomit out your fast mana next turn yeah. and you win the game. And, right. like, yeah, it's better suited for that. But this one is, like, it's more casual-friendly, it fits in every deck. Well, that's, that's my it's question. It's so easy like, to abuse. 
is this CDH too good like. for casual? I th- I'm on the fence as whether you should actually play it in cat. Like, I, I kind of am where Tomer is, I think, where it would make every one of my decks better. But I don't think, even discounting the fact that it's like 50 bucks, and I don't want to spend 50 bucks times every deck I have, but <laughs> even discounting uh, the prices of it, like, I think casual is better if everyone's not playing this in every deck, right? Like, uh, wouldn't it be better if you played something thematic there? Like, wouldn't that make the format more fun overall? So I feel like it's one of those cards that's so strong. But. Like, Insurrection that I just, like, don't really play anymore because it's, like, really strong and I find it kind of boring. I feel like the Wondering is going to be like that for me, where I don't play it in most decks because it's so strong. But, th- but this lets you actually win with your game plan. So when you Insurrection, you're like, allows- ah, who cares what happened? I just killed you with all your creatures, right? But the one ring draws you more cards from your deck to then win with whatever the you know whatever yeah like it's more of your your flavor and your game plan right because now you'll actually see it like oh i didn't actually see my hidden commander all of that game well this is gonna help you get to it it's also an entirely different tier than insurrection i think yeah it's like an early game piece that's a draw engine that's also protection like insurrection is just a finisher it's like, like it's like it's soul bit... ring. Like it fits in every yeah. deck, and it helps your primary plan, even though it has nothing to do with your primary plan, right? Like it's a soul ring, yeah. but it ramps. This thing draws you cards and protects you to help you with your primary plan, and it's good enough to be in every deck. But it's not really on theme. Yeah. I'm curious okay, if I'm not like. Okay. I'm curious if we end up house banning it. We always have conversations. Like, Soul Ring is one of the cards. It's been come up compared to Soul Ring multiple times. That's one of the one of the few cards that we actually house ban on Commander Clash. Do you think this is a card that, if everyone's playing a copy in every one of their decks, is it a card that'll be in the conversation next season as far as, like, should we consider house banning it? I think if you abuse I mean, it, then then it, it might be so house easy band. to abuse. It's so easy. I to know. Abuse. Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of. It's like Dockside a little bit, where yeah. like you accidentally yeah. will have cards in your deck that synergize with it, even if you're not really going for it. Yeah, like, I actually don't think it's that broken. It just makes for a poor game because someone plays the one ring. The correct response is to three v one now. And it's actually kind of close. It's not like a clear advantage that the person with the ring is going to win unless they're actually looping the ring. If they're just drawing cards fairly, like, that 3v1 is kind of close. But then, like, did you want to do this? It's like Soul Ring, right? Like, you just gang up on the Soul Ring player, take him out, or cripple them. And then you're like, did I really want to do this at my game of Commander, right? So power level-wise, yeah. it might be fine, but I think it just creates, like, an unfun yeah. board state immediately when it happens. So... That's very similar to Soul Ring, right? Isn't that one of the big yeah. arguments yeah. we've always had about Soul Ring? Is it's not that it's necessarily the person that plays it wins, it's that it has this warping effect on the game where you become arch enemy and have to take that person out. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's in the conversation. I mean, but drawing it's a lot of cards is fun. Like, that part is fun. <laughs> I do like yeah. having a handful of magic cards. <laughs> well, having, being protected. having three mana on turn one is also <laughs> fun, I guess. But, like, <laughs> does it make a fun experience for the table? I, I think, like, it's, it's definitely on the watch list but like i would want to play it more to see how it is because we only have a small sample size of it yeah um i i would i would have wished it didn't exist but like i don't know i feel like i want to see more games basically all right seth 
huh. what do you have for us? All right, we we have a, a card that I had to I had to bring this up. So uh, next up for me, Wheel of Fortune. <clears throat> if you were around for the earlier seasons of Commander Clash, speaking of our houseman discussion, that discussion every season would start with me saying, "Y'all can talk about whatever you want, but I'm playing I'm playing Wheel of Fortune, whether or not you houseman it." So keep that in mind as we're having this conversation. I'm just gonna play it anyway. I thought Number that one fan. I thought the Wheel of Fortune was like essential play it in every single deck you need this card to make your red decks function and you can play it in any deck and you're going to get value out of it and it's going to be worth it i have really come to realize that wheel of fortune not nearly as essential or as good as i thought it still certainly has roles having everyone discard the hand draw seven can still be very powerful. There are situations where it's going to be good, but it's not a card that you need in every red deck. It's not a card that most decks even really need to play. Maybe part of this is the fact that we've gotten more red card advantage and the impulse draw and all this stuff over the years, but I found that I don't really play Wheel of Fortune anymore. I put it in my upcoming next Commander Clash deck that you're going to see this week, and I put it in my deck, and I thought, wow, this is the first time I put Wheel of Fortune in a deck in, like, two years or something, when not that long ago I was arguing this just had to be in every single deck. So I think I've, I was wrong about Wheel of Fortune. Like, it's not that it's a bad card, but it's not nearly as essential or as important as I, as I thought it was. I don't know why you, we brother. thought it was good. <laughs> I, I, I was back there with Seth. We used to play it all the time. Yep. You're drawing the table 21 cards <laughs> for your seven. Like, it's pretty sus. I guess it's a lot worse in 2023 where everyone has free spells. Yeah. So, like, you would yeah. everyone to tap out. You would, like, try to wheel and take advantage of the wheel by doing something first. But now everyone has free interaction. It's not as good. But... I don't know. I, I know we used to play it all the time. I played it yep. all the time in my red decks. I don't know why, though. Like, it's 21 cards for the table. It's seven <laughs> for you. It's Were we that desperate? Like, that, that seemed a little desperate, but... I, I think yeah. our our philosophy has evolved a lot. Because I don't, I don't remember us yeah. saying, oh, it's actually 21 cards for our opponents back when we were playing it all the time. I don't even think we thought about it in that way when we were <laughs> yeah. playing it all the time. But we've... Secret Rendezvous theory has uh, <laughs> infiltrated <laughs> the way we build decks. <laughs> I mean, I obviously, if you're playing Nekuzar or something, like, if yeah, you have synergies, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. saying it's a bad card yeah. that you shouldn't play, but just, like, yeah. Yeah, don't put it in all your decks. It's not needed, sadly. Yeah, this it definitely has homes where you can really take advantage of the fact that either <coughs> drawing cards for your opponents is a good thing, if you're, like, Notion of Wheel, like, certain, mm-hmm. certain blue-haired uh, person in our, our crew. Did um, Orcish Bowmasters now? Like, Orcish Bowmasters. Really like, good yeah, there, there are definitely <laughs> things. Or if you're just, like, you vomit out your hand so fast, way faster than the rest of the table. Because it can also, like, yes, you are drawing your opponent's cards, but if you take advantage of the draw much better than your opponent's, and you disrupt each other's people's uh, game plans, too, like, it can be useful. But, yeah, I've been I've been not running this for, for a long time. I remember 2011, though, one of the first things that I bought, like, a big upgrade for me when I was, when I was uh, dirt poor, I bought $20 for a Wheel of Fortune. And I remember explaining that this is the most expensive I've ever spent for a single card <laughs> in my life. It was wild. Wild. Because, yeah, back then it was like a staple for red. Like, how else are you going to draw cards? But, yeah. Yeah. Not in 2023. Nope. It hasn't actually... It's a reserveless card. And it's kind of just been stable since, like... I don't know. The, like, it's been slowly trending down since 21. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's it, so many other effects like it, right? And they keep printing, like, red 
card advantage, like the exile-based card advantage. My impulse and the draw is like yeah, all over so the place. This now. wasn't as like it was like we we played we played like Mind's Eye or whatever. Mind's, I mean, whatever back in the day, like that was oh, this yeah. era, right? So now I think we're beyond that era of Magic. We don't really need this wheel effect for this <laughs> card advantage. I mean, doesn't it look kind of silly compared to, like, Jessica's Will or something? Like, for three mana in your red deck, you could just, oh, I draw three and maybe make a ton of mana, too. Like, why Why do you need a wheel? Unless you have the synergies for it. But I think part of it's definitely we've just gotten so many better options printed. And part of it's we are probably always underrate, uh, overrating wheel a little bit, honestly. Or at least I think I was probably always overrating. And I was just blinded by, like, oh, seven cards. I love card draw. So wheel of Misfortune on the chopping Wheel of Misfortune is better than this and, card. Seth oh, wheel of like a billion life. Oh yeah, no <laughs> that. that <laughs> if I'm not playing Wheel of Fortune, I'm not playing Wheel of Misfortune. So yeah, that that's that's damage. also in the same in the same place. Sadly, but yeah, this is damage. the time of like Jessica's Will and Natalie's, and like, all this impulse draw is like so good these days. And I guess the other thing is, like, Wizards is printing Shieldreds and Orcish Bowmasters that your opponents might be playing, and those cards are, like, kind of <laughs> popular, so there's a lot more risk of getting wrecked trying to wheel now than there was in the past, so. All right. Uh, next card. Uh, it's me. Oh. Cartographer's Richard, Hawk. what happened? Okay, what happened, okay. Richard? This is a two-mana, two-one flying bird, but ignore the bird part. That's not relevant to discussion, Okay. When it deals combat damage to a player who controls more lands than you, return to its owner's hand. If you do, you may search your library for a planes card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. When this card came out, I remember we ripped into it and we ripped into wizards. They were like, we're fixing white and we saw Cartographer's Hawk and we're like, what kind of trash nonsense is this? It's catch-up ramp, but not only that, but you have to hit someone to do the catch-up ramp. Right, because we have catch up ramp in Loyal Warhound or Night of the White Orchid that just you know do the thing when they come down, and uh, you know we ripped into them. We were like, Gavin, what do you, what do you even like? Why would you disrespect those white players like this? Like, how is this fixing anything? And I, I remember we we're like, so I personally thought like this this cannot be right. So I started jamming Cartographer's Hawk in every game uh, or every one of my decks just to see like there's no way Watsy could have gotten it so wrong, right? And uh, in 2023, I, I'm a photographer's hot believer. And not only that, I think it's actually one of the most brilliantly designed cards ever created. <laughs> so what? I... Not, okay, here's, here's the deal, okay? okay? <laughs> it's a two-mana two-one that's delayed okay. catch-up ramp, right? So it's Aww. worse than the other catch-up ramp. But why is that, right? Because you have a flying body, Right, that that gets in easy, so it carries swords into their opponent's face. Right, it comes back down as a blocker, and also you can ramp more than once with it. You can ramp like twice, right? Like you can you can hit someone, cast it, hit someone. So I actually think it is one of the best white catch-up ramp spells, and it's actually brilliantly keep... designed. And we were all too dumb what? for it at the time. You keep throwing that around, Richard. You need to... It is so like gigabrain <laughs> designed. No, I, like... I thought this would be finally a time he finally yeah. realized this card is straight trash. Uh, that's what I thought. You have played it for years, and it has done straight up nothing. I still Not have not seen ever seen it has been yeah. impressive. I don't think yeah. we've ever seen it ramp a single time through all these it's, years. I think the one time they got never close, dry. Seth okay. like, uh, did the Phyrexian gut shot it or yeah. something. Got it. <laughs> just, I mean, just if, a... remember that game you were playing, we were playing, was it Nazgul's? Or you had like Wraiths or something. 
And then I had uh, a lone cartographer's hawk, and it blanked your attack because I could chump block. That's oh when it clicked. Wow. I'm like, okay, yeah, like but this flying claws is literally not, not two zero. mana, two one flyers, <laughs> any, a great chump blocker. Any, any horrible bird that. that you play would have done that, though. Yeah, no, like, it, it ramps, and then you can cast it again, and it, you have a flying blocker for the rest of the game, right? It carries swords for you. It carries dousing dagger. It carries. Your explorer scope or whatever, Tover. Like, it carries memory of mass. Mask of memory, I right? Know, I right. feel like think, if... Think of it this way, though. Hear, hear, hear me out. So instead of playing Cartographer's Hawk, imagine a Cartographer's Hawk that when it enters the battlefield, it just puts the planes directly <laughs> onto the battlefield. So you don't yep. have to hit anything. Yep. And then it comes with a 3-1 vigilance uh, <laughs> creature that could probably trade even better than the Hawk. But it doesn't And then fly. if you play it on turn two... Yep. On turn three, you can play a land and play a four drop. Like, isn't that better than the, like a turn two hawk? And then so, turn so you're, you're three, I the, the instantness for it, the fact that you can get two planes with it. You can hit twice, and you have a flying body. Like, oh imagine you what, play, what Christmas land are you hitting? You have the three one. You play a dousing dagger, and then you can't hit someone with it because you don't have evasion, right? Like, can you imagine paying its mana cost two times in a single yeah. game? I wouldn't want to do it even once. You and would not pay not two even mana once. to like suspend one ramp. No, I'd rather do turn two ramp, spend. turn three, You're cast a four drop. You have to hit someone, right? You, you, yeah. you know, they can gut shot it, but it's essentially two mana suspend one. Et, you know, etv tapped ramp. Just low Warhound, turn two, ramp. Turn three, you cast a four drop. That's so much better. If, y'all if, clearly went to the bars before we started the podcast. I like, like, I like, wild. Like, clearly, you you guys need to play more cartography. Like, I, you, I think you, it's, oh it's my a brilliant God. I've card. seen you play you are, plenty of times. <laughs> I've never wanted to play. You are starting off with Path to Exile greater than, <laughs> and now you're closing with <laughs> Cartographer's <laughs> Hawk is the <laughs> best and well designed card of all. I was I was with Richard all the way on Path to Exile. By the way, Isn't this bad like, with equipment? Like, I'm so confused. Don't you have to pay to re-equip it? Aren't we like building a lithoform engine? Like you got to pay like okay, five so, mana like to so, recast so it and put my sword on it again. On, you hit someone that doesn't have more lands than you, so you don't ramp, right? But it's then like, why are you playing cartographer's hawk if you're not ramping? I'm so <laughs> because this is the choice you make, Wait, right? Like you no. have multiple choices. It's an MDFC, right? You attack the person with less lands, you keep the cartographer's hawk. It's actually He's just an MDFC. <laughs> It's a good card. Like, like obviously, there are, there, there are better cards, not. but you can't just be like, there's one card better than it. This card is trash, right? Like, w- would you run this as your Multiple. second or third ramp, right? And I, I would definitely run it. Right? I would, there are actually cases where I run it above Loyal Warhound, right? Because the, the flying no. body is relevant and the multiple ramp aspect is relevant, right? Like, that's... That's why it does slightly worse. Like, can you imagine if it just ETB'd immediately the land, like Blow Warhound, but it was flying and you can get two lands? That would be insane, right? So the trade-off is you have to get the suspend one on the land so you can get the other abilities. That's why it's well-designed, right? Not like, you know, toss you, <laughs> play and win the game, you know? But like, you know, actual like trade-offs and deck building and like thought behind it, right? 
I played not, I'm not the ramp before I played this, this I mana. think. Yeah. yeah. You can play both. I, I, you can I, hit with this. the bird and then path oh, it. God. And then boom, boom, boom. Oh, trigger God. on the stack. Trigger on this bounce trigger on the stack. Path that. You like, build you can, you, you, can, you can get the dousing dagger to hit. You spent five Trigger mana, this the way, and then path the bird yes. to get okay. an additional five <laughs> mana that turn. Even if I even if I deigned to do this, like get two lands off this cartographer. That's like Man, that's like the worst explosive vegetation of my life. It's so bad. You, you're in white. You don't have explosive vegetation. That's yeah, the but I have two mana rampant growths. I, I know Tomer will play it. Tomer, Tomer is I on the not. Richard train. He's just very slow and begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not ready for this card. I'll try it. You know what? I'll try it, Richard. Try I will put it in my white decks. Just to say, when it does nothing, I told you so. <laughs> That's what I did to Gavin. I put it in all my decks to just be like, I got I got to confirm this card is absolute trash. And then I'm like, actually, it's not too bad. And then now I'm actually on the oh, it's, good, it's, it's good plan. So, no, yeah, no. I recommend you put the trash cards in your deck to, to show Richard that he's wrong. And then you will see. You will see the value. I'll try. <laughs> You'll see the sure. value. Sure will, Richard. I'll get right on it. Oh, boy. All right, I see it's me against the crew again. All right, <laughs> Tomer, <laughs> hit us up with your next card. All right, this is one that I always thought was good, but I refused to run. And now I've actually done a 180 on that, and I put it in all my red decks. Cartographer's uh, Hawk. It is. Cartographer's <laughs> oh, Hawk. Red Cartographer's Hawk. No, this is Chaos Warp. Three mana, instant. It's a format staple, I would say. The owner of Target Permanent shuffles their uh, library, sh- shuffles it into their library, then reveals the top card of the library. If it's a permanent card, they put it onto the battlefield. So you don't know what you're going to hit. You're, you get rid of any permanent. That's something red does not have a have any other equivalent of doing. Three mana, instant speed, get rid of any permanent. And then if you randomly show up another permanent that goes onto the battlefield, but if it's like an instant or sorcery, as aka not a permanent, nothing happens. So it's just like all upside. This card, I said, was a, objectively speaking, one of the best instant uh, targeted removal spells in the format. However, I refuse to run it because every single time, every single time I cast it, I'm always like show like a Praetor shows up or some nonsense that <clears throat> makes me like just lose the game. And I'm like, you know what? I can say this card is good. I'm never going to run it in my life. I actually did a 180 on that. I now run it in all my red decks because I realize the point of Commander, at least for me, because I'm a casual scrub, is just to make really cool moments in the game. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to embrace it. So I keep playing. Now I play Chaos Warp in all my decks, and it always screws me over. Always. Always screws me over. But you know what? The table laughs. We have a joke about it. We remember the time. They all told me the wrong chaos word here. I, like, I play it now, and it turns out nothing scary comes up like 95% nope. of the time. And it's like, I always card. get screwed over. Always get screwed over. Every single time. Always, always, always. And the last time I cast it, what's the one that's it's an artifact that makes all your artifacts indestructible? I hit that. I forget oh, well. Dark Steel Forge. The Dark Steel, yeah, Dark Steel yeah. Forge. Yeah. yeah, that was the last time I cast Chaos Warp. I hit a Dark Steel Forge. The person won. Um, so yes, <laughs> that's where I'm at on this. I, I I will always get screwed over by this, but at least the table laughs. So I'm gonna run it. And what, what it if you should... just use it on your own spell or your, yeah. your own premise, so that because that obviously is you... not gonna work well for me, Richard. <laughs> 
I mean, it should get better, right? Because you've used up all the bad, the bad running and the bad luck. So That's according to works. math, now, uh, now yeah, you should so. start running better. <laughs> so that I works. do, I do see it differently. Now I'm like, oh, uh, you know, oh, it's woe is me, bad card. But no, now I think of it as like, oh, the point of commander is to sit down and have like a good experience. And I yeah. think chaos war facilitates that good experience because at least when i'm casting it because every single time my opponent's very happy with the result <laughs> the tldr of this podcast is richard learns that the most played white card in the format's actually good and tomer learns the most played red card in the format's actually good <laughs> that's our slogan <laughs> That was a fast one. Uh, I, I like how we use math for for <laughs> Temple of the False God, and then we disregard math for Chaos Warp. Yeah. <laughs> 100% of the time, I get screwed over by Chaos Warp. <laughs> I don't want to do the math. It's so good, though. It shuffles any permanent, even lands. Oh, like, yeah. It, it didn't yep. have that pesky non-land clause, so you can take that coffers yep. right off the battlefield. So I mean... Yep. Really, mathematically, I mean, drop an Ulamog. you shouldn't get wrecked very often, right? Because, like, a deck's going to have, like, 40 lands, it's going to have some spells, and then even the creatures and good stuff, like, someone's going to be mana rocks. It feels like Somebody you should be like, 75% to, like, hit something not impactful, and 25% like like to get wrecked. like, hitting sure. non-impactful things, like, hitting <laughs> yeah, a plane you, you can't really-nilly, like, fire this off on, like, a spirited <laughs> companion or something, right? Like, right. it has to be... We'll see. One of the best cards in their deck, and what are the odds that they have another, you know, a card better than that sitting on top to, to replace it, right? It's in all my red decks. We'll see. On upcoming Commander Clash games, what happens? I'm going to have to draw it eventually, and I'm going to cast it. <laughs> all right, Krim, we'll hit us up with a card. Okay, so the I, there's like two cards I wanted to talk about, but I think I'm just like, so... The main card I want to talk about is Species Specialist with Vexless Praetor as a shout-out. But yeah, Species Specialist is two black-black. When it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Whenever a creature of the chosen type dies, you may draw a card. So, I this card wasn't even a blip on my radar when it got spoiled or when it was talked about. Having played with it now, any kind of deck that is any kind of like typal deck at all, I want it in my deck. This card is so much better than I gave it credit for. And on top of that, you can name some a, a creature type that isn't on the board, like including your opponent's stuff, right? So, because all it checks, all it, like, it checks just whatever, whatever creature of the chosen type dies, whether you control it or not, and then you draw a card. So this has been pretty sweet. I was able to set up a turn where I was able to play this uh, and then I got to name uh, uh, dragons, and then I blasphemous acted, and then blew like blew up all the dragons and drew a ton of cards. So I absolutely love that deal. So this card has just been kind of overperforming. So if you're a typo kind of player, uh, whether it's humans, uh, demons, dragons, whatever the heck it is, I think this card is just really good. I didn't even know this yeah. card existed. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, like you can yeah. draw off your opponent's creatures and your creature. Yeah. And at worst, you choose human and it like cycles itself on death. So like it's yeah. not even that bad uh, in the worst case. Yeah, I mean, I uh, think if you're playing it, you're playing a tribal deck, right? You're not going to just jam this for value and like hope it cycles no. or name your opponent stuff. But if you're playing a deck that has a bunch of creatures that are uh, of the same type, it seems good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, like any kind of like typo deck, you're gonna want this, right? Like, like I just don't see where it doesn't fit in. Like, it, it's always got room if you have the colors for it. This card is just something that has 
crept by and I played in my humans deck and I was like, oh, it's great because it's a human, right? But I, on top of that, I've tried it in other kind of like like typeable decks and it's worked out as well there. I think the biggest downside is show. like, isn't it a little awkward to play a human warrior in your like squirrel tribal deck? Or like, isn't that kind of the issue? Like, it feels weird to play. Is it like off theme or does this get a pass is because it, you get to name a creature? It feels a little off theme yeah. to me to play this in I'm like something sure. that isn't humans or warriors. See, that's what I thought at first, but then it's like, hey, I could still play it in rogues, or I could still play it in fairies, right? Like, these are all decks that I've enjoyed them in, and I've also had them in, like, yeah, like, just, like, just taking it from other decks, right? Like, I I don't know, I've I've liked it. I've really liked this card. It's, it's just because it's not the same, like, you know, like, the same typing, I think that's, it's okay, right? Because even some of my typal decks, I don't have all like it's not all rogues right technically because example like sir conrad is not a rogue uh there's mm-hmm. there's cards that are just not rogues or or fairies or uh, on on type right so because of that you know i was naturally deterred from this card but after playing with it and anything that can play it in these colors i've actually really liked it people are very so... obsessed about matching creature types like do you not play painful truths because it's a sorcery Right? Like, it's not a creature on the... Like, you know, yeah. it's a card draw spell. Do you not play a sweeper? Because your sweeper doesn't say destroy all non-merfolk. Right? Like, you know, like... You have oh support God. cards, and sometimes they come stapled onto a creature. So, you get... You, I guess you got a creature that's not on theme now, right? But same of instance, sorceries, artifacts, enchantments, lands... I guess you can find lands with it's, art of your creature, but... You know, like... It's, it's powerfully... You have, like, a... You have the the core of your deck is still whatever the type you're going for. Like if you have like yeah. thirty merfolk, you can put some non merfolk in there or whatever. Because like sometimes I, when you play things that are on type, let's let's just say you get you got swept the turn prior than you drew this. You can then play it and name whatever the next popular type is, right? And that's kind of like your your get back in it mechanic. I'd give it more of a shot. I guess I I always like I knew about this card. I, I've always run it in. Typal decks that have like a sacrifice theme, sure. So like sure. it came in the Mardu humans, humans precon, for example, and I think that's really good because Silvar and Trin is human aristocrats. Yeah. So like makes obvious sense there. And if I'm in any sort of like typal aristocrats deck, then I'd run it. But like I didn't think about running it outside of that. Maybe it's good enough. I don't know. It I seems... like it doesn't cost you life. Like a lot of these effects yeah. cost you a life, and like yes. that adds up and. You know, that, that's not the, the greatest mil- cost, but it's better to, like, not take 12 damage yeah. as you draw. And the right? mill out plan isn't alive because it's not <laughs> you have to draw. It's a you may. <laughs> True. Yeah, there is some so upside. Hmm. Maybe maybe I'll have to give it another it, shot. It toxic, some this Toxic Deluge is basically build your own Decree of Pain. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, I'm not even joking, though. Like, it, like give mm. it, it doesn't seem like much, but it plays a lot better than you would think. So you'd play it even if you're not actively s- sacrificing your own creatures? Yeah. Because like, I, I mean, that's I'm, what I'm, I'm thinking not... is, like, if it just sits around there not drawing me cards when I want to, then I'm a little bit wary of it. it it's not going to draw... I'm not using it in sack... Because I'm not trying to sack my own rogues, right? But I am putting enough pressure on whatever decks I'm playing to where people want to remove it. Hmm. It definitely and seems if, And if people... <laughs> if people aren't removing my stuff, then it's fine. Great. I have all my stuff that I'm beating you down with. Ah, I'll have to give it it's a like try. Insurance, like board wipe insurance. 
It's not, though, because no one wipes the board. Everyone's like, we'll fire off the path to exile on the species specialist, and then we will board no- wipe. Yeah, sure. Hoop you have to or just farewell, or sunfall. Sure, yeah. Or... Everybody has farewell. Okay, come on. <laughs> sunfall, sunfall, sunfall. Sunfall. The sunfall burial. <laughs> I haven't seen sunfall yet, but I swear that card is good. Maybe that's going to be showing up on the next time we do this. Uh this episode, that card is the very subject, good. they'll be like, that I was really high on good. Sunfall. Turns out nobody runs it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I really like that card. Sunfall is the truth. All right. <laughs> truth, right? Take us home with the last card. <sighs> All right. We have, a, we have another card that I thought would just go on every deck, but I learned a big lesson about how Commander plays thanks to this card, and that is Strixhaven Stadium. So Strixhaven Stadium, it's a three-mana mana rock. And I love three mana mana rocks with upside. So the upside on Strixhaven Stadium is when a creature deals combat damage to you, you got to remove a counter from it. But when a creature you control deals combat damage to an opponent, it gets a point counter. And then if it has 10 or more point counters on it, you remove all of them and that player loses the game. So this is, at first blush, a three mana mana rock that can win the game by itself or at least kill an opponent all by itself. And when I saw this card... My mind immediately said, okay, wait, it's a three-mana mana rock with upside. My deck's going to have some creatures. Maybe it's not my primary plan, but why wouldn't I play this as a backup plan? Maybe I get ten creatures and just one-shot someone. That sounds really sweet. So I started putting this card in every one of my decks on that theory of the three-mana mana rock with upside. I learned very quickly that people are very scared of this card. As soon as it's actually a three mana mana rock that makes you die because people see this at the battlefield and they're like, oh my God, I really don't want to die to Strict Saving Stadium. I better take Seth out. I better, or at least I better attack him a bunch. So this has no counters on it. We can't let a single counter get on that because, oh my goodness, he might attack me and I might lose the game. So I learned that this actually is a three mana mana rock with a huge downside that it makes you an arch enemy. And making you the arch enemy is not the kind of uh, upside you're looking for with your three mana mana rocks the card doesn't doesn't do anything to protect you when you're the arch enemy all it does is put a huge target on your back so it actually really changed the way i think about cards and how i think about uh being the arch enemy and commander and how your opponents perceive the cards that you play because on its base level this looks like a kind of card that you just free roll in any deck but the way the politics play out in a multiplayer format like commander it really isn't and now i play it very, very specific decks. It's got to be like some go-wide token deck where I have a legitimate chance of one-shotting someone with the plan being I'm going to play this and attack and kill you right away, like a coat of arms or a shared animosity or something, rather than like sit out and slowly build up counters over time. That's pretty much exactly where it has to go, right? You can't just go in every like deck. It has to be a go-wide deck. However, I have been on the opposite side of that, and I've been able to use this to politic like, hey, if you let stop hitting me, I'll hit the control player, or I'll hit, you know what I mean, like with my aggro yeah, I think Crib killed me with this one, Commander. Class. Yeah, did it happen? It's like, yeah, if you, if you tap down Tomer's blockers, and then I just die. Because, <laughs> like, there's a point where someone's so far ahead, you got to go for the Hail Mary, right? And this yeah. card is the Hail Mary, so I don't know. It's yeah. this, this card is fun, but you have to have the board and, like, the deck, like, style to back it up. So, yeah. I definitely agree with, with stuff like you can't just jam it in any deck, but it's. I think it's still very good in specific decks. Like sometimes you'll just be able to steal Yoinko in because you had a big board state of like one ones or whatever, and then you slam this down. It's like your but, pseudo overrun, but it's a 
a thing. But Even, you gotta like play it like a finisher kind yeah. of thing. You can't just be like Turn three, I drop this, and then everybody's gonna be like, "Oh my god!" Right, <laughs> but it's like an MDFC, Seth. <laughs> it's like it's an like MDFC. an MDFC. <laughs> Even in the right deck, though, you're right. You can't play it like a three mana mana rock, or else yeah. you're gonna get murdered before you build enough uh, creatures, a big enough board to actually take advantage of it. So it makes right. it a lot. It just plays so much different than it looks because it's not really a card you can run out on turn three, which is what you really want to be doing with your mana rocks is getting them down early. Yeah. If you just jam it in like any random deck that can't really kill people with it, then people are just gonna hate on you. For oh, it. you you get killed for literally no reason. You could have yeah. played so many other options that because are not gonna make me, you Seth. die. Yeah, <laughs> your commander well, sphere can't just randomly kill me. <laughs> the the problem is everyone is at risk, right? Because it's only the last point that kills someone. So like yeah. like you can't stack up nine damage on one person. The, the rest of the table is like, yeah, I'm safe. I don't care about you you kill that one guy right it's like no like everyone's at risk of dying so we got to band together to to get rid of it so i used to play this all the time in birds i still do um it's really hard to kill because 10 10 creatures to like hit someone at once is a lot like have you ever actually made 10 creatures like that's a lot of creatures to have to like swing and kill someone and if you're doing it over multiple turns like, every single, like, mana dork, every single Sacra Tribe Elder is, like, coming right at you, reducing <laughs> your points, right? So you may not die, but you're going to have a very hard time, like, racking up the points. Uh, but, like, if you have a doubling season type thing, like, you know, one of, one of those things, like, you try to overrun someone with this, I can see it happening. I know I used to try to get the alt win with this for quite a while. I played in a lot of decks, and I've given up, and I forgot mm. about this card. But maybe it's time to bring it back now that uh, no one's expecting it. <laughs> also, the crim politics is good. Like, you'll be like, yes, I'll, I'll help you kill this person with this stadium. Yeah, you that just let so them build narrow, You have to have yeah. the stadium. Someone narrow. has to be arch enemy, and you have to be in a position where you can actually like, <laughs> kill someone with the, the stadium. Yeah, you so need difficult. a bunch of creatures. There's a yeah, a bunch of hoops to jump through. In birds, Richard, do you run it down on turn three or do you hold on to it like a coat of arms or something? I run it out. You oh, just yeah, run I it out on three every time. Fear. When you just when like, you're the aggro deck, you got the board, right? To like, like, like there's a world where you play this, you play like three birds and you you, you, you plop down a ghostly prison, right? And then you go to town. <laughs> and like that might actually get there. <laughs> The other way to do it is to phase out, right? You to fairies pro, or if someone tries to board wipe or something. You phase out your team uh, to try to get in there, but it's it's like an uphill struggle, right? You're, you're arch enemy as soon as you do this, so it's not the ideal way to play, but it can be funny. I mean, it's funny you play to this play and sports then you ball with into the, and the, the one ring. It is, it is a cool yeah, cool way to win. Like it's a unique win con, so it's a, one of those cool challenges to try to pull off. But just. Oh, don't put it in every deck or you're going to be very, like very sad. You the birds that proliferate, stumming birds. <laughs> you go to town. Yo. <laughs> yeah. Alt wing connection to the infect deck. Hmm? That would be fun. Because you like infect is all about proliferate, so if you put yeah. it in counters, yeah, yeah. and you can't kill them with poison for some reason, you... You're never, you're never getting more ball. than two counters on this thing with infect, though. <laughs> yeah, but you're infect anyway. You're getting hit anyway, so that's fine. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you got to be building around that anyway. Sadly, you can't proliferate all the way, right? You have to get in at least one attack yeah, for yeah, it to trigger. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a fun card. It oh, yeah. so, you, it, you can't, like, so it adds a point when you tap it. And you can't just use that to win. You actually have to hit someone for the last for the last, the last bit. The last bit. All one. right, so those are cards we were wrong about. What does everyone think? 
What are cards that uh, you, the audience, have gotten wrong about? Have, have we ever been wrong, or are you perfect? I have never been wrong. I have never been wrong. Never, we have never been never wrong. Been wrong. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> Ignore this podcast. You were just, yeah. you were just entertaining I've a, ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually <laughs> love Fade Away still. I, I take everything back. <laughs> <laughs> it was all a lie. It was, it was real. all a lie. We should play we didn't need any any. <laughs> Okay, what about the what's... We should do a follow-up. Cards you were right about, and I'll just say Caldra. Com- Caldra. I was sure. right. You're all wrong. I'm, I'm going to sure. switch the titles of the podcast. No one will be any wiser. <laughs> no one will know. <laughs> yeah. So let us know in the comments uh, cards you were wrong about, and then we'll see. We'll see who has pie on their face. But you know, it's a fun thing. We talk about cards all the time. We're always wrong. You know, you, you shouldn't take us. Uh, 100% serious. You, you should listen to why we make certain calls and see if you agree mm-hmm. with them or not rather than just listening to the end result, right? Because sometimes we have different reasonings and you may or may not agree with those reasonings. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty sweet. And uh, we'll see you all back here next week. So see you, everyone.